From racing.com and top sport, this is a good three with Dr. Turf, Matt Welsh and Paul Tatnall. Hello and welcome to another edition of A Good Three. Matt Welsh here along with John Rothfield, Dr. Turf. Good of you to get out of bed this morning for us. Thank you and it was my pleasure too. And I must say, Paul Tatnall here as well. Uh, I'm glad to be back. Uh, Roger Aldridge did an outstanding job last week. I didn't think you guys would want me back. It came down to a vote. Uh, I must admit it was... Touch and go. No, you're the captain of the ship. Trouble is, it's the Titanic. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, let's move on from that. We've got a very special guest on the show this morning. It's Catherine Coleman of Peter Moody Racing. And Catherine, great to have you aboard. I gather the boss is up sunning himself in Darwin. He is. He was kind enough to give me a call yesterday and just tell me that he just had to turn the air conditioner up in the <laughs> hotel room a little bit because it was just a little bit warm. I'm guessing this is about his uh, 25th consecutive uh, Darwin Cup as well, Catherine. Yeah, he must be getting close to some sort of a record because he's definitely quite partial to a little trip up there. I think most of us actually believe that you run the show anyway because you're, you're the face of Moody Racing these days. How long have you been there? Uh, Since we started back up again, so it was two years uh, in May just gone. So, um, yeah, I was lucky enough probably to be in the right place at the right time when Pete decided that he was coming back to training and he was looking for a a right-hand man or woman in this case. And I knew Pete from when he'd trained at Caulfield, but I'd never previously worked for him then. So, yeah, it was just uh, really lucky to already sort of have that relationship with him, um, even though I hadn't worked with him as such. And, yeah, it's been a, it's been a very enlightening <laughs> two years so far, but it's been a lot of fun as well. Catherine, how did you get into racing? What's your journey being, been towards being an assistant trainer with Peter Moody? Well, I don't really have any family background in racing, but I would say it mainly all comes down to my dad having a a love of the sport. I grew up uh, with horses and did pony club and a little bit of equestrian competition and that sort of thing and um, actually finished year 12 and went off and did six months of physio at uni before deciding that that wasn't for me and I missed the horses too much and full credit to my mum and dad they never once uh, batted an eyelid at the fact that I was dropping out of uni to go and play around with race horses and there's been countless broken bones along the way and I'm sure they've both thought at times of what is this girl doing but uh, they've stuck by me the whole way and they're, they're pretty proud to see where I've got to now so it's been uh, it's been really good and I'm very lucky the opportunities that I've had thrown my way especially now with Pete. Before um, Pete became an elite trainer, his journey was through stables, I think, like Tommy Smith and maybe the Freebirds and so forth. Is this part of your master plan to work at stables like Moody's and then venture out on your own at some stage? I've been lucky enough. I actually, I started off, I grew up in Western Australia and started off over there and worked for some small stables and moved over to Victoria um, thinking that I would stay for about three months after working in a big stable Uh, at Caulfield and that was about 10 years ago so in those 10 years I've been lucky enough to work for trainers like Robert Smurden um, and then go to Waller's after that and spend a bit of time at Chris's stable at Flemington there Uh, and then after that I've ended up with Pete so I think I've got a pretty good grounding in some different sorts of training methods and been lucky enough to see some of the top trainers and how they do things so all all going well um the plan is for Pete and I to go into a partnership at some stage in the future. 
Um, he sort of wanted to do a few things in his own name again when he came back, one of them being winner group one, which we were lucky enough to tick off last spring. So hopefully in the not too distant future, it'll be a, uh, not sure if we'll have a, a Coleman and Moody or a Moody and Coleman. <laughs> we'll see how we go. Yeah, it comes across as the grumpy type, Peter. I'm not going to lie. Uh, potentially loves a dart. You know him better than we do. What is he like to work for? And when he is grumpy with you, do you have the ability to go and tell him a few home truths? Yeah, look, he he's actually a teddy bear and I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but he's, um, he's sort of all, he's all bark and he's, he's, yeah, his bark's worse than his bite. That's for sure. He, he comes across as, you know, the, the grumpy old bugger, but really, you know, he might have a little, a little dummy spit every now and again, but there's never any malice to it whatsoever. And the best part is that he never holds a grudge and he gets over things very quickly. So, um, you know, he, he certainly comes across uh, a lot grumpier than what he probably is. And he's got this, uh, this special knack about him. And I hope one day to um, be able to emulate it, but, you know, you'd go to war for the man. I don't know what it is. I think the AFL, the good AFL coaches probably have the same thing, but when he gives the star forever and, you know, I'm sure at the same pre-race with the jockeys as well, he just gets you that fired up. Honestly, you would go into war for the man. What's uh, something that you've learnt from him, a little gem, a little nugget of gold that you've learnt from him that uh, maybe uh, was really enlightening for you? I think the biggest thing that I've learned with Pete is just to be patient and, you know, he, with his young horses, as soon as they show any sign whatsoever that they're not enjoying their work or they're not coping, they're in the paddock the next day. And uh, there've sort of been occasions where we might have a really nice young horse that we've thought was, was ready to go to the races. And especially it's been a little bit hard. Obviously we had, uh, you know, we've been lucky enough last spring to have the likes of incentivized join our stable, but Previous to that, um, you know, we have been mainly building up from scratch again. So some of these horses that we've had a really nice opinion of and we've nearly had them ready to go to the races and I start getting really excited thinking that we've got this superstar that's ready to go to the races and then Pete will come in and go, oh, actually, you know, I just think that maybe she's just gone off in the feed tin a little bit. Why don't we, I think we'll just tip her out instead and we'll just be patient and, you know, at the beginning, I was, you know, in tears in the corner thinking that we'd had this superstar ready to go to the races and now Pete's put it in the paddock. But in hindsight, like it's such a, a valuable thing and such an underrated thing as well. It's just giving these horses that extra time. And now we're starting to reap the rewards for it and, you know, seeing some of our young stock come through and, and get to the races and be um, kicking goals, it's very rewarding. So clearly um, you're relating these stories where you've acceded to his opinions and, and he's over, not overruled you, but you know, his decisions on horses has been the overriding factor in where they go. Have you come up with something? Have you said something to him? He said, no, we'll do it your way. You're right. Oh, he's very open to new ideas and new things like that. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, he he loves trying different things with the horses. And, yeah, he's very open to certain things. And there'll be some horses with that he'll sort of just leave up to me and say, yep, you're cool, you're in charge of this one. So uh, he's, he's very good like that. Uh, coming on to incentivise, 
I was fascinated. Obviously, a lot of talk about how he would come back post his really impressive spring last year. Just how hard was it to turn him away again? Obviously, I think I heard Peter say the body was good, but the mind wasn't. Was it a hard decision to put him back out in the paddock? Uh, I think initially when we sort of came to terms with it, once we'd sort of gotten the idea of it in our heads that probably the best place for him was the paddock, I think he's just... He's such a special horse and he's very rare in the fact that he he will just give you absolutely 110% every time he sets foot on the track, even if it's not the best thing for the horse. So we have to be the ones in that situation to make the call and say, look, he's, you know, the best place for this horse right now is to be back out in the paddock. Uh, and, you know, as soon as, we, as soon as he was back at Pete's farm, he was running around, he was rolling in the mud, he was just, he was such a happy horse. And as soon as we saw that, we just thought, you know, we've, we've definitely made the right call here. And this way, hopefully, um, you know, we're projecting the longevity of the horse and we'll have a, you know, we'll have a top class horse again for the autumn and the spring next year. Catherine, you train out there in what many consider to be the middle of absolutely nowhere down at Tainong, uh, the new Pakenham race course. You've, you've had a lot of other trainers move in over the last 12 to 18 months with Caulfield closing. What's the atmosphere like there of a track work morning? Look, compared to tracks like Caulfield and Flemington, it's still very quiet out here, which I think is actually really lovely. And Flemington, one of the things I found uh, working for Waller there, like it's just so busy. There's so much track uh, traffic on the track and there's always things, there's always loose horses and there's always things going on. Whereas out here, you know, the, the country air and the serenity definitely have their perks. And having the Caulfield trainers move out here, it hasn't had a huge impact on horse numbers really, uh, but it has reunited uh, two very good friends in John Sadler and Peter Moody. And that's been comedy gold for everyone out here because, <laughs> those two just bounce off each other and give each other a hard time every single morning. So it's it's quite amusing to watch. You talked about uh, going to the trenches with uh, Peter Moody and you reminded me that he's probably Australia's greatest amateur military historian. I mean, he uh, no, seriously, he's really? actually besotted with um, Australian military history. I know he's been to not just um, to Brook, but he's been to Flanders and the Somme and all these sorts of uh, places where Australians have fought in wars has he imparted any of that sort of interest with you he is extremely passionate about it and i felt quite sorry for philip stokes the other day who made the mistake of asking him who <laughs> sir john monash was oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> just as the horses were about to jump in the John Monash stakes at Caulfield and Pete was still chewing his ear off when they went past the post yeah. and Stokesy's horse had won the race. But he barely got a chance to watch it because Pete was too busy imparting his wisdom on Sir John Monash and how he's the greatest Australian to ever live. So. That is right, yeah. <laughs> Catherine, as a young, soon-to-be trainer making her way in the racing industry, what are a couple of things that or a thing or two that you think the industry is doing really well and also as a, a training operation, a couple of challenges that you face in the racing industry? Challenges can definitely be finding suitable staff. 
Uh, but in saying that, I think we're a lot better off here out at Pakenham in a slightly more rural area, I guess you would say, compared to, again, being at places like Flemington and Caulfield. I've certainly noticed that um, you tend to have a lot more, uh, a lot greater pool of people for your staff out this way, just whether it's that, um, you know, a bit more horse experience around this country area compared to being right smack bang in the city. Um, so I know that people have certainly floated the idea of perhaps having some sort of um, academy or, or what you would exactly call it based in the city where people just have that opportunity, whether it's younger kids or just whoever has a desire to learn, um, sort of having that availability to them in some way, shape or form in a city setting, I think would be really beneficial. Obviously, it would be a hard thing uh, to get off the ground. But I think if they could, you know, just getting some of those young city kids, actually giving them the opportunity to, you know, have some hands-on experience with the horses. And I think that that would then, um, you know, make the industry that bit more relatable. And we certainly need people to see how well our horses are treated and how they are cared for, like the professional athletes that they are. And, you know, the more that we can get um, that sort of out publicly and in the media, I think it's only going to be beneficial to the industry. Catherine, you had a nasty incident at Sandown earlier this year when you were unfortunately kicked by a horse and did leave a nasty scar. Has that recovery been? And was there any kind of mental uh, scar in getting back around those horses again? Was any nerves getting back, uh, getting his horses ready to race? No, no nerves there. Um, uh, yeah, pretty pretty tough like that, I would say. And I was so lucky. Like I had um, a, a laceration on my cheek that has left a, a little bit of a mark there, but uh, some uh, very good plastic surgeons at the Alfred did a good job stitching it up. So it hasn't left much of a mark there. And very lucky there was no broken bones or anything like that. So I wasn't, uh, wasn't out of action for long. And um, I was sort of begging Pete to let me get back on a horse before he uh, before he thought I was ready. But no, it was um, all all very lucky um, and a bit of a freak incident, really. So um, yeah, no lasting effects there, thankfully. Actually, speaking of uh, mishaps, uh, that filly that um, broke through the stalls last week, um, who was a heavily backed favourite, the unbeaten filly of Stewie Ramsey's had she pull up. Yeah, she pulled up fine, uh, thankfully. I couldn't believe it when that happened. It's just one of those freak things that, you know, she was, uh, she's absolutely flying at home, this filly, and I was so excited to get her back to the races. And then for that to happen, it's a, just one of those things you've just got to sort of grin and bear it and be very thankful that she pulled up unharmed. Um, and, you know, we sort of tried to look on the bright side and say, look, maybe she wouldn't have handled the track uh, on Saturday anyway. At least this way she's still unbeaten and, you know, we live to fight another day. I think there's a nice race for her at Flemington um, next Saturday. So hopefully we'll see her back in action there. Speaking of your juveniles, it's funny, you know, watching barrier trials and jump out and Matthew here. <laughs> you don't watch them, too. I do, is besotted by them. The one thing I've noticed about your horses is that they are given vigorous workouts in their jump outs. I mean, a lot of horses, a lot of stables are happy for them to just ping around and have a look around and some of them, you know, try more than others in those jump outs. The, the Moody Stable jump outs, the horses are always switched on. What's, what's the policy? What's the yeah. thinking behind all of that? Well, so our horses, um, the majority of them will all have two jump outs before they're ready to go to the races. So their first trial, they aren't really asked for an effort, that they'll be the, the ones that you see that are sort of a bit more quietly ridden. But 
always asked to find the line. Um, that's a, a big thing always. that Pete likes to see the horses do always, whether it's in their gallops um, here at home or anything like that. He always likes to see them, you know, not, not clocking off before the line and, and hitting it nicely. Um, and then their second their second jump out of their preparation, they're often asked for a, a good effort. And same thing, you know, we just like to treat that, um, you know, a bit of race day experience. And it just gives those horses a chance to, you know, come off the bridle, be asked for an effort and actually be put under sort of a, a similar pressure to race day so that hopefully you're not then getting to the races and these horses that might have been cruising around in trials and looking like they're shaping up really well. They then get to the races and they come off the bridle and they're asked for an effort for the first time and they've got no idea what's going on. So we like to just try and give them, um, you know, as much of a close to race day experience as possible. And it also gives us a good guide on where they're at fitness and ability-wise before they're actually heading to the races. So the philosophy there is that the mental training and mental fitness of horses is equally as important as their physical sort of that physical side of that training. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's very true. You know, you don't want them to be going out there and just cruising around and not really putting in, you know, when they go out there and um, we have a bit of a laugh about it, but they all wear their nose rolls in, you know, as soon as from young horses, when they're having a good gallop, the nose rolls go on. Same for the jump outs. They're all in their nose rolls. And so, you know, whether it, whether it actually works, whether it doesn't work, but I, I tend to think that when the nose roll goes on, they know it's business time. Um, and they know that they're out there to do a job. They're very professional as a general rule, our horses. So for the punters at home, what is the nose roll trying to do? What's the application of that gear intended to achieve? Well, when we first came back, one of the first things that Pete said to me was that, look, I'm going to be a little bit eccentric with my nose rolls this time around. So he was up front from the get-go and he certainly has been a touch eccentric with them. But he just finds that they they focus the horses without switching them on like a set of blinkers, uh, and sort of like I just said, you know, like they ha- they wear them from as young horses. They get used to them, and they sort of just know that that's on. It's business time. We're focusing. We're not, you know, looking around and being airy fairy. Where this is, we're race horses. We've got a job to do. Turfy, I'm going to get you a nose roller. Huh? <laughs> You're an idiot. What about uh, She's a Moore makes her debut on Saturday? She's had a, a couple of jump outs. Looks a, a fairly handy two-year-old. Strikes a pretty nice race on debut, but what are you expecting from her on debut? Yeah, she's one that's really put her hand up. She sort of came through and, um, you know, hadn't shown above average ability. And then we've given her a few jump outs and she's just really come on and and really put her hand up to be there. So she's one, uh, she actually looked to really get through some heavy ground in her gallop on Tuesday. So, um, you know, if we do have a bit of rain in the next few days and the track does look to be carrying a bit of moisture, she would definitely be right in the mix. Uh, Catherine, there are trainers that... Don't mind having a little bet here or there. Uh, your partner, uh, Moods, likes having a bet. He's not a big punter, but I have actually seen him in the betting ring, which you don't often see trainers. Uh, what about yourself? Do you like sort of uh, putting the hand in the pocket? Uh, every now and again, and I'd say that might go back to my early days when I moved over to Melbourne and I was working for Robert Smurd and that was a, a very big punting stable back then. So, yeah, yes. every now and again, I'm not opposed to it at all. We've got some lawyers already for that bit. Um, <laughs> Catherine, uh, our uh, producer here, Roger Aldridge, did host last week, always comes in with a bit of moody mail on a Thursday, claims that he's as his own half the time. Looking forward to the weekend, do you have a great, uh, the best runner from your stable that we can all get behind? 
Uh, I think, like I said, if there's a little bit of rain about, then she's a more definitely uh, will be right in the mix. Otherwise, um, nice imported mare in the Rosemont Colours, Rasutsu. Uh, she ran a really nice race a couple of weeks ago at Flemington. So I think that she should be running very well. Um, and we were going to have a nice uh, filly going around at Bendigo on Sunday, but unfortunately it's a heavy 10, so we haven't accepted there. But keep an eye out for Waltz on by, resuming Ooh. very uh, in the next few like weeks. She's a, a very nice filly. Speak about trialers, Turfy. Oh. She was outstanding. <laughs> yes, you, you were giddy after watching her jump out. <laughs> I oh, certainly. Well, I'm glad you uh, pronounced Rasutsu there, Catherine, because I think I've butchered her name about 15 times on various shows over the last few weeks. So uh, I'm glad we've cleared that one up. I, I read a, a brief article in the Herald Sun. I think it was back from last spring when you were getting ready to saddle up incentivise for the Melbourne Cup, where you talk about, I suppose, that the rise of females within the racing industry over the last 10, 20, 30 years, you obviously heading towards the training ranks, but a lot of jockeys and also a lot of staff behind the scenes. Uh, it seems that, you know, there's an increasing female presence in the racing industry. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's probably one of those things that we definitely see um, probably from the, the ground roots of the equestrian industry where we get a lot of our staff from. There's definitely a higher percentage of, of girls doing that these days. And I just think it's... Um, it's a pretty unique industry in that these days, you know, you can come into it with nothing but a, a really good work ethic. And if you're willing to learn and you're willing to work hard, then you can get absolutely anywhere in it. And whether you're male or female, it, it really doesn't matter. And you can see that in the cases with jockeys now, um, trainers and just staff in general, that as long as you're coming into it with that strong work ethic, then, you know, it can really get you places. All right, well, Catherine, thank you very much for your time this morning. It's been absolutely outstanding to have a chat. I imagine things are running a lot smoother with Peter up in Darwin and you at the helm down there at Pakenham. Well, we like to think so. Hopefully we could sneak a few winners on the weekend just to make a good thing of it. All right, well, good luck for the weekend. Best of luck for the Spring Carnival. Hopefully you're adding another couple of Group 1s to the mantelpiece and we look forward to seeing uh, Coleman Moody racing <laughs> yes, in the next in 12 order. months. In that order. Yeah. Good on you, Catherine. Thanks, Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much for having yes. me on. Having a bet on the racing this week? Top this. With Top Sport's Best of the Best Maltese, top odds are guaranteed. Place a Best of the Best multi during Saturday Metro meetings for the top flux or dividend from the best three national totes. Plus, there's Best of the Best to win up to five grand too. Top that. Download the app today. Top Sport. Feel the excitement. Don't let the game play. You stay in control. Gamble responsibly. An early look. All right, guys, time to find a couple of winners. Now, I assume you shot the lights out last week, Turfy? Uh, I can't remember what I tipped last week. It's, it was last week. <laughs> Old age it, comes back you're again. You're only as good as – who remembers what they tipped last week? It's what – this week is what's I'll take it as we didn't find any winners. <laughs> <laughs> we're back at the no, – I think we did, but go on. Okay, we're back at the Valley on You know what? Actually, Saturday. I'm going to go before you. on the, the form part of the podcast last week between Roger and Turf was the best we've done. Uh, since autumn, easily. Just want to not put the pressure on, but uh, it was very, very good. Yeah, I, I don't have to come in here on a Thursday morning. What else do you do? <laughs> no. Like, Any, old, like anyway. old mate, I could be long in bed. <laughs> like old mate. Uh, anyway, I, I, you know I rang Turfy. I reckon it was 10 o'clock the oh, other day. Oh, right, oh. He said, oh, sorry, mate, I'm still in bed. 
My, my, uh, That's 10 a.m. A boss once told me only in bed at 10 a.m. for two reasons. Oh, here we go. You had a hangover or terrific company. And I'm streaming turf. I, I don't think. I think. I think he was watching uh, yeah. some stories on Netflix <laughs> or something like that. Probably had a bit of marmalade toast on a tray. I imagine. Yeah, Butler has some turf tea coming. Uh, anyway, let's. Anyway, he's he's got to pay for this lifestyle. So let's find a few winners, Turfy. I know we're at the Valley. First of all, let's touch on that. We haven't raced there for some time. No, and oh. they have done a fair bit of. Uh, Remedial work. Remedial work, that's right. And, and we know from previous years that that first meeting of the Valley, which is always end of July, it's a pretty soft surface and, uh, you know, the rail's always out for the first meeting as well. I, I'm a little bit concerned about how the, how the track's going to play on the weekend. So how's um, it likely to play turf? What well, whatever the reading is, it'll be a genuine, you know, uh, uh, it's... I'm not saying it'll be shifty or anything like that, but I'd, I'd be very, very careful on the weekend. We, we saw some gallops there on Tuesday, though, right on the outside fence. But Which at they do, yeah. that stage, I think they had the track rated a soft five, yeah. and they were getting right into it. Mm. They've had a little bit of rain Wednesday. Thankfully, we've got dry conditions leading up to the weekend, but it'd be interesting to see how it plays. So how do you, how do you think it'll sort? What kind of runners do you think it'll uh, uh, help on Saturday? Uh, wet trackers. Wet trackers. And I... I Gut feeling you'd want to be somewhere up near the near the pace. Yeah, the inside might chop out a bit. Yeah, it it may do. Um, well, let's get into it though, because I know you're keen. You're betting up race one. The I'm whole day hinges on this. <laughs> well, it doesn't, but you know, just the way Daguila is going at the moment, he's pretty lightly raced horse. He's a high chaparral, I think, isn't he? So. Um, he did actually win really nicely from the rear two starts ago. Then last week, uh, last start, he got he sat outside the lead there and it was one of those days where you didn't want to be there. It was a very, very strong wind, headwind uh, for parts of the race. And he really only wilted the last little bit. I just think he can control the race here, um, De Guila, and be very, very hard to beat, despite giving them all a little bit of pudding. Patrick Payne, Billy Egan. Whew. They're going okay at the On moment. On fire. <laughs> yeah. There's something in Billy Egan having the sleeves rolled up. <laughs> I know a few people yeah. on social media have been pointing this out as well, but I just love the sleeves. And, and there was another – was it Luke Nolan who pulled the sleeves up to ride for Patrick Payne? I think uh, <laughs> horse called Matthew a couple of weeks ago Matthew, potentially. which is also running on the weekend. When it might become made. a trend. I don't know, but um, – Do you ever roll your sleeves up? You sort of half got them up at yeah, the moment. I like the way Paddy Payne's training uh, the last couple of years, and um, I think he's a uh, the horse to beat. Daniel O'Sullivan pointed something out on Racing.com, I think it was last week, that in the last couple of months, his runners, as an average cohort, have been much further forward in the run. A lot of his runners yes. historically have got a long way back and Correct. been asked to finish off. Which is and no that's good been for his, Victorian racing, is it, really? And that's been his training style. But on average, all these horses have been a little bit further forward in the field in the last couple of months. And it's funny, and, and when, they, when you watch their jump house, they don't sort of, it's not like they're trained to sort of be forward, you know, given what we see in their jump outs. They basically just have a look around, don't they? Yeah. They just get fit. Very, I mean, very, very quiet jump outs. At race two is a cracker, the two-year-old Colts and Geldings. We touched on it last night on contenders so if you want to get a full preview of that head to uh, the racing.com website and, and grab the contenders link race three i think is one of the best bets of the day here Hello. in written swoosh could Very be a little brave bit thing to say for a horse having uh, philly having start number two having its first exposure to wet ground um that's a brave statement i i, I know the i think there's an overarching statement on the day that it's a very tricky punting day yes and for mine this is probably the one of the favourites that I think, so long as they can make ground, I'm happy to wait to the day to bet. So long as they can make ground in the first couple of races, 
I think she is head and shoulders above her rivals. I think she's stakes class, and I don't think it's the strongest race in the world. No, Bistro, the two Godolphin runners, two different stables, um, of course, with Friedman and uh, James Cummings, but the two Godolphin fillies came out of... I mean, they ran in those previews and preludes. I mean, they, they raced in the better two-year-old races last year. Having said that, or earlier this year, having said that, there was a, a, a shadow cast over the depth of our two-year-old form this year, wasn't it? Who cast the shadow? You did. And anyway, at least uh, she's sort of, these two fillies have got some ability. So it's a, it's a reason. At least I don't sit on the fence. It's a, you've got splinters in your backside, buddy. Uh, at least <laughs> at least uh, written swoosh looks very, very promising and she's got a pretty solid upsize, I would say, because I don't think those two Godolphin fillies are anything special. Let's go to race seven. Uh, yes, John. You could John. sort of acknowledge that I was talking or anything like that. You just move on. Go on. Roger oh. wouldn't have done it. Turf, I was taking week. it all in, Turfy. Don't yeah. worry about that. I'm just trying to move it along. So we retain audience, Turfy. We retain audience. <laughs> You're going to put them to sleep. Uh, race on. seven, predetermined an interesting runner for mine. He's one you don't want it too wet. But if the track happened to get to a five, a six, they're not getting into it too much. I reckon he's over the odds at $12. But, again, I'm happy to wait till the day and just see how the track's playing. Yeah, he's also going to have to be able to make some ground, I would have thought, with Peter Turner in that particular race. And he's also racing against fit horses. You know, and fitness is imper- an imperative this time of the year on these sorts of tracks. I mean, fitness is tested. So um, he's got a couple of things against him predetermined. He may be the best horse in the race, Matt, which is probably what you're alluding to. uh, Caulfield Guineas at his second start. Well, well. we do. (laughs) I'm just saying his fitness is is relevant in this sort of race. Last Thursday morning I was sitting down having a nice, quiet coffee. Beautiful (laughs) view, relaxed. Yeah. Race Uh, eight. Race eight. You didn't ask my opinion on that race. Um, I think if Jimmy... The bear runs the strong mile. He's clearly the horse to beat. Um, Another Patrick Payne runner. I've got a little time, bit of time for El Cordobes, and I wasn't enamoured with his exposure to the uh, the front fairly uh, early in that uh, race. At also, uh, cop the, the the curse of the multi last. Cop the curse so. of the multi because he was in he was in front for about four hundred metres and then missed the place. Which was devastating. But if I, 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 I'd written into the group chat, well done, Turfy, actually. I had the 200 metre mark yeah. and quickly had to delete that. I said to Profits, the interesting horse, who's coming out a pretty ordinary a maiden win and then a lacklustre, not a lacklustre, a win in a lacklustre field in Adelaide. But I think he's in an upward form sort of spiral at the moment. So, you know. Jamie Carr, Team Friedman, can't I think, go wrong. I think that might wrap that race up. Yeah, interesting race, race eight. I think we Is chatted. What's interesting about what, it? I think it's a two horse race. Tavi Dance and, and Chief Alton. I think it's a three horse race, but go on. Who, who, who are you throwing in the mix? Uh, I'm going to throw into the mix in race eight, um, Lacking, with a disclaimer if the track deteriorates. Yeah, that's probably the concern for Lacking. Chief Alton, Ichi. Last time he was here at the mile, 51 and a half. Last time he was here at the mile at the Valley, he ran second to Mr. Brightside. He was stiff not to beat Lyrical Lad. Not stiff, he he should have beaten Lyrical Lad two back. Lyrical Lad just found too much, as much as anything else. He did fight on strongly. You're kidding, too. He was my Lyrical Lad. You're kidding. No, I... Okay. So nature strip wasn't a good thing beaten in the lightning. No, we yeah, discovered yeah. that last night. E- you, you're e- dying on that rock, and now you're e- saying e- Chief Alton, he shouldn't have won two back. EPC, nature strip, every possible chance. Oh, my God. Uh, Please. But I, 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 I'm, he's short enough, Chief Alton, eh? He and, is. And, I'd and, sort of want I, – I want $3 plus, and I want $6 Tavi Dance, and I'd happily back yeah, him Yeah, I'm with you on that. 
Yeah. They're, the, they're the two. Well, and I know you're keen to round out the day in style. Um, <laughs> style. <laughs> oh, you 12, are. 1,200-metre race at the Valley. With it's a one big of your field. best bets of the day. Well, uh, we're talking whip cracker way here. Jeez, Benny mispronounced that last night, didn't he? He, he? Called, he called it whip crapper way last night, which, fair enough. Um, I He's a... He's no star, but he's dead set, honest, trier, likes the ground, will race in the front half of the field. I think he's, what is he, double figure? No, he's, he's about eight or he's nine. He's 750. 750, for, Ed, Ed, for me. Um, Been backed. I, I, yes, I, I think he's a very solid each way chance. Whip, crack away. Just a, going right off on a tangent here, I know Gavin Bedgood has a horse in that race, Condos Express. Now, he chips. He's he, been, he, was he Lambing Horse? Oh. Yeah, but Back I, in the day? that's not where I was going with this. He oh, came no. on this podcast a few weeks ago. He Who? tipped us a horse, Gavin. Did, did he? Were you here for that? Was he on the podcast? Oh, he? you were away. Yeah. He, he tipped us. He <laughs> tipped us a horse on the back of that podcast. I reckon it's just about the only runner he's sent around in the last three weeks that hasn't won, Paul. Paul, that will suit my punting. Yes, yes. Anyway, that's enough of the Valley on Saturday. Yeah, it's set to be a good meeting. You have We've no got opinion on anything other than written swash. That's it. A best of the day for mine. No other thoughts on the day? Well, if the track's okay, I'm happy to back pre to turn. Did yeah. you not listen? Oh, that was you. Yeah, okay. Righto. Pre to oh, let's have a chat to Tristan Merlihan. Having a bet on sport this week? Top this. Whether you're into cricket and curling or golf and greyhounds, Top Sport will let you on for plenty. And with literally hundreds of markets from your own backyard to the international stage, Top Sport has you well covered. So if you want to get the top odds every time, bet with Top Sport. Top that. Download the app today. The top sport. Feel the excitement. Don't let the game play. You stay in control. Gamble responsibly. A look from the book. Presented by Top Sport. This was one part of uh, last Thursday I missed. Having a chat to our good mate Tristan. Wasn't from getting involved in the multi. You missed the, wow, missed the, the multi. multi last week. Well, that 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 was. It may have been our lowest week. moment last week. <laughs> what what happened with the multi last week? Well, the the track was just you know, oh, it was difficult. Track. The track was difficult, and um, a couple of them went like uh, you heard the expression "busted asses." Tristan, the uh, the top sport multi would be paying for the Christmas party. Uh, sorry, the good tree multi would be paying for the top sport Christmas party. Uh, as we come to you now, how are you feeling this morning? I gather you've had a, a pretty big day yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that quote that uh, Turfy just said about a buster, you know what, I had a golf day yesterday and that's about as well as I hit him because there was a lot of uh, tracking through the bushes, into the water. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to own shares in some, uh, some ball companies after yesterday, but it was good fun and I'd had a couple of beverages. So, yeah, a little bit worse for yep. this morning. But, so you're... Um, the good thing about the multi is it only takes one or two to turn it around. All right, let's move forward. In fact, let's look back. Uh, the bookies might have caught the little sting last Sunday. Oh, well, we're talking about uh, who shot who? Is that who what we're talking about? Did you take the $5? Oh, I had a tiny bet, but I wasn't oh, yeah, no, the market. No, but, no, um, no, 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 no. He walks in one day morning, grinning like a shishai cat. And Sally listens to this podcast. Have you told Sally of your winnings, your wife, your winnings from who shot who on Sunday? We're going to delete this bit from the no, podcast, I think. We might have to edit the podcast, but uh, no, it was nice to get one back on, Tristan. And he got the $6 too, uh, Turf, FYI. Well, the horse, he was, he, he's had two starts. He, he would have been thrilled after escaping from the Stanaway stable, and he's uh, reveling in his uh, new, new surrounds. Big weekend of racing. We're back at the Valley. There's a little bit of trepidation around the track, I suppose, Tristan. We haven't raced there for some time. What's betting activity been like early doors with Top Sport? Yeah, it's been 
been reasonably active. There's been a few horses well backed. I, I, I think from our perspective, it's always uh, you, you always shudder a little bit when you see Mooney Valley on the Saturday card because the, the, you know obviously just the nature of the, the track, the fields aren't as, as as big or as wide open as when you go to Flemington or one of those uh, surfaces where they can fit more runners into the field. So the punters are normally pick a couple out, and it's a little bit Russian roulette esque when you're taking on a couple of runners. Obviously, they're trying to find the the pace runners and those sort of things. So, um, yeah, it's, it's always a, it's always an interesting Saturday when Mooney Valley's on the uh, on, on on the card. What about the early money? Has there been one punters have latched on to, even if it's not at the Valley, somewhere across the country? Yeah, the one I reckon the punters are really come for. It's been a, a one that's been back from double figures into seven fifty, and that's race eight, number fifteen, Zoltan, and it's been eleven dollars into seven fifty, but laid it at each price point. So sometimes you can get one of those eleven into seven fifty. It's just one one bet and, you know, the market just firms up. But this has been a pretty significant go there, uh, late at 11, 10, 8, 50 and at the $8. So Chief Altony, obviously the firm favourite in that race. But, yeah, punters thinking down the weight, so Zoltan a chance if he can get across from the white gate. Now, I'm just writing the rundown here and we've got lay of the day to chat about next. Now, the first thing that's written here is back on track last week. Don't tell me that there was yes, a lay that won. There was a lay that won um, and uh, Tristan was... Uh, well, it was like he'd seen a ghost last week. but uh, I'm pretty sure yeah. I backed that horse for the multi too, didn't I, Tristan, by memory? You did, you did. It was, uh, it was, I got a million texts. Paul won, Tristan zero, just uh, constant. <laughs> no, uh, no, constant no. Paul won, Tristan 101. Clearly those people can't count. <laughs> or very, very short memories. But back on track last week, Forrest Diamond ran third. So uh, who are you potting this week? We're going to go uh, one of the one of the wider races in Melbourne, race five. I thought the horse down the bottom, number twelve, Farago, was a little bit. I was. I, I thought it should have been a firm favourite. So as a result, I just think Rudy Rudier, if that's if I pronounce that correctly, obviously good last start winner there, Jamie Carr in the saddle. But I just think at four twenty, it's probably a bit under the odds. I, I, I think it should be a bit closer to the other runners there. So I'm, I'm taking on uh, that runner there, race five, number four at the Valley on Saturday. Oh, that's Rudy yet. Now, the multi, we've sort of touched on the fact that obviously it was a, a dark week last week. Oh, he has one week dark year. Last week, we haven't got a multi yet. We have got a couple. That's a uh, long time yeah, ago. Okay. Though. I think well, new, new, uh, well, it's about to be a new racing season, so we basically yeah, start again yeah, next week. I will be kicking off then Go. because mine is in race one. I'm hoping this horse, De Guila, controls the race. I know he's giving them weight, but... His last two runs have been terrific. I'm going to go for race one, number one, De Guila. I'm going in race two, Turf, so if you're still alive in race one, I'll probably knock us out in race two. I found it in a near impossible date a bit, but uh, race two, number five, Epic Centre, jumped out really, really well. Bit of a, uh, energy around the horse during this debut. Had a bet issue. around the horse. Well, I was in that bit of a, you know, talk about kind of horse. Obviously, its second run really uh, had some vetting issues. Uh, I'm going to go the place. Now, I loathed to do it. Loathed to do it. But considering just how poorly in the In fact, podcast, you mock us when we do it. Yeah, but you guys are so poor every week. I feel like I have to give us the better chance. And <laughs> for two blokes, Who is this bloke? For two blokes oh, no. that make it a career out of picking horses, I tell you. Anyway, that's Epic yeah. Centre of the play. I'm going written swoosh the win in race three. So races one, two, three. Yeah, well, out nice and early. We can probably have a second multi at the back in the <laughs> back half of the day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, I'm, I'm we'll, know, we'll know very early. 
But, uh, yeah, 2570, that works out. Cool. So uh, I'll, I'll pop that up on the side. I might even do a, uh, you know, I might even pop up a, another market, any two of the three or something, just to give us uh, give us a chance if you want. If you think two out of the three boys, I'm not sure who, who's, who you're going to pinpoint as the one that you reckon might let the team down. But, uh, I don't think. About the hey, three. Tristan, Tristan. Cannot lose. I don't think. Jeez, oh. I don't think we can cast any aspersions as to uh, who might be the one that misses out on that two out of three. For the next racing season, we have to do a tally because I reckon I'm not looking at anyone particular turf, but I reckon <laughs> if you're going to add them up, who's missed them the most, it'd be a pretty clear leader. So. Yeah, that'll be one, Mr. Paul Tatnell. Anyway, uh, Tristan, great to catch up with you. Uh, you head back to uh, the sick bay and keep recovering from yesterday's big day out at the golf, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting next week. Yeah, thanks, boys. I'll do my best, and we'll chat next week. All right, well, uh, just about the end of the show, but Mr. Tatnell wanted to bring something to the agenda. Well, don't tell me he's actually going to provide some something new that we didn't know about. Well, <laughs> you know he's nominated for uh, an award, Turfy. A much, Kennedy Award. No, no, we, we, did you guys as, touch on that last week? Much did you? That sort of, uh, okay. much to my chagrin, I did actually sort of acknowledge and congratulate him for his nomination. He'd be a dollar twenty as well if they framed a market. It means absolutely nothing. Any praise coming from you two guys? <laughs> now I'm going to. No, surely. <laughs> During the week, turf, we spoke about we broke on Racing.com the five one million dollar bonuses mm-hmm. for a series of races here in Australia. Now you know more about this sort of stuff than me. Yeah. Uh, I don't really follow that sort of stuff, but it appears to be a tad knee-jerky? I want to, yeah, a little bit. It's clearly to protect some of the three-year-old and better horses staying in Victoria than New South Wales. I'll ask you a couple of questions. A lot of them are aimed around the Manicato, keeping the horses... Manicato. Uh, yeah, all right. Greg Carpenter. Greg Carpenter goes Manicato. Apparently the former owner... I'll tell you uh, what. Breeder, got yeah. Turfy, Carpenter, Turfy, Carpenter. I know, I know who I'm probably listening to. Well, he's just bailing out of the industry, isn't he? So what does it matter? They're putting, they've doubled the prize money in the Manicato. They've Which act- suffered terribly last year. There now is a series of bonuses attached to get horses running in that race, including even if you compete in it and have won a lead-up race to it and win the Dali, you get an extra million dollars. Mm-hmm. Will the sprint races in Victoria be any better off because of the extra $1 million in the Manicato and the, so and the bonuses? This is a response to the, the Everest. To the Everest. Yeah, 100%. So, which is what fourteen million? 15, now, what is it? Fifteen million. I actually think that in time this will this will start to work because you've got bonuses attached to horses who run in the McEwen and some of these other listed races yep. in the lead up. Yep. If you run in that and then win the Manicata, win one of them and then run in the Manicata, you're eligible for a million dollar bonus. The reality is when you break down that you've got to um, s- split the money if you if you don't own the slot in the Everest, if you don't win and you run you know sort of second, third, or fourth. You're better off staying in Melbourne for the Manicato. And I think over time they can actually convince these trainers that, you know, if you're not Nature Strip or you're having to go up against Nature Strip and you're not going to be able to beat him, you probably are better staying off here. Plus you get the status of the Group 1. Yeah, you make a good point. It crossed my mind when looking at Hold on. That'll need to be a promo. Roger, you make a good point. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'll never say it again. But when you're looking at prize money of horses like Nature Strip and Red Zell, for instance – you know, the t- prize money for first for the Everest goes into their what they've won in prize money. But mm-hmm. in actual fact, given the fact there are slot holders that take a large percentage of that prize money, that's incredibly misleading. How, other, how has that gone through to the keeper? The other way? bit that's an argument about the place, if you come seventh or eighth, what these are really good horses that would go really, really well and say almost probably win the Manicato. The, some of the lobbying from Victoria... Okay. <laughs> So I'm going to, going to talk to Carps this week. Some of the lobbying for Victorian uh, 
racing types to these horse ownership groups around you're better off winning a Manicato than finishing eighth in the Everest. I believe that to be real. Anyway, I don't want to labour on this point. It's a lot of money. And the only thing I'll say to that, the, the clubs are now lobbying to make sure that this bonus announcements this week don't affect the autumn prize money announcements. They haven't made those yet. A lot of key races they want to lift up there as well. They're worried. Do, do we know what happened with the meeting of the new CEO from Victoria with Peter Volandis? Do we have any understanding of what Paul, some Paul of the, basically had a bug in the meeting. Some <laughs> of the topics. There. I, I mean, because broadly speaking and probably unrealistically speaking, some sort of cooperation between Victoria and New South Wales regarding the Everest and the Manicato, Manicato may have been more beneficial for both races long term. No, I'm, I'm going to say this with all honestly. I heard it was a very positive meeting. I know that's going to come across as spin. I heard it was an honest meeting. They encroached uh, several issues that had been of frustration to both states. I hear that they agreed to monthly meetings, uh, catch ups on certain issues. I don't think it's going to move the needle on. Say the Everest is still going to be the Everest on that date. That's not going to change. But the dialogue was definitely a significant improvement to what it has been. Andrew Jones, the Sydney guy, knows a lot of people that Peter Peter Volandis knows. I think there's a general interest there to improve it. And I think, how do I say, I think both sides would probably concede they could have done certain issues better. I'll tell All you right. what, if, uh, if Peter Volandis manages to get the Bruno Mars concert moved <laughs> because on the same day as the Everest, then he is a freak. Well, you can't have a disruptor to the Everest, surely. Yeah, anyway, that's, that's uh, been a good three for this week. It's been a massive episode. We loved having a chat to Catherine Coleman. Mm. I'll tell you what, guys, I think this is the week for the multi. Do you? I would say it's 25.7 dollars, the odds. In my mind, it's somewhere around 330 to 1. That was a good three. Presented by Racing.com and Top Sport.